43 years before the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, stood on the mountain of Safa and called his people to the religion of Islam, his grandfather, Abdul Muttalib, stood on the same spot. My people, hear me, O people, Quraysh of the outskirts, Quraysh of the hollow. In the name of Allah, the Lord of this blessed valley and sacred house, we bow in gratitude as generations before us have done. As for what follows, it was only a few weeks ago when we celebrated the victory of Allah against the people of the elephant, but the time for celebration has passed. I have received word that my dear son, Abdullah, a young man of merely 25 springs, fresh from his wedding, has died. Amidst the crowd, Lady Amina remained a distant figure, nearly obscured at the foot of the mountain. Her head was bowed so low that her tears flowed unseen, hidden from the shocked crowd around her. The weight of this news bears down upon my soul more than words can express. My son, with vigor and dreams in his heart, set forth to Yathrim, yet he never returned. Only a fleeting night with his newlywed bride, and then he embarked on that fateful caravan journey. And now, now, he is no more. In these moments of anguish, I am reminded of life's harsh reality. It is but a fleeting journey, merely our lives and our deaths, and nothing destroys us but time. Time, relentless and unforgiving, ravishes all it touches. Time is the destroyer of all things. Time has destroyed my boy, leaving those of us left behind to mourn his memory, to wail for the absence that has shattered our lives. In the name of Allah, the most merciful and kind. I am so sorry for your loss, Amina. Islam by touch presents. My brother. Abdullah, no. From the visionary minds behind book one. I, I'm so, so sorry, Auntie Amina. An audio adventure of the life of the Prophet Muhammad. Amina did not wail. She did not pull her hair or slap her face. As Abdul Muttalib descended from the mountain, he saw her gently place a hand on her belly. A gentleness only a mother could express and he understood why she was the only one not wailing the sound of sira book 2 persecution chapter 1 my son muhammad
Amina bint Wahab looked about as alive as any widow would after earning that title. Her physical form showed no signs of ailment, yet there was a subdued light behind her eyes, a glow that had waned and dimmed over time. Sorry about the wait. Two fools bickering over a donkey. Can you believe it? Ah, sometimes I feel like these people will find any excuse to pull out swords. Dates? Thank you, Abdul Muttalib. But I'm fine. I kindly ask you reconsider. You are eating for two now. Unless you are planning on sacrificing the infant to the gods. In which case, I would more urgently ask you to reconsider. I won't bury Abdullah's child alive. A wise choice, Lady Amina. Our children are the only things that carry our legacy. A dead line is a dead legacy. And I would not want Abdullah's legacy to die so pointlessly. No, nor would I. How are you? I... I am well. No, I think not. Your husband is dead. You hardly spent a twilight with him and now he's gone. You mean to upset me? No, no, my lady. I merely want you to see the great fortune you are in. You are pregnant after only one night with my late son. A great blessing from Allah. A chance to let your husband's legacy live on. Your child can bring greatness to our family and clan. He will be great. I know he will. You are so sure it is a boy. Have you visited a soothsayer? Not a soothsayer. I... I've been having dreams, but I probably shouldn't take them to heart. They are only dreams after all. Abdul Muttalib leaned closer to Amina. My dear lady, I saw a dream years ago about a great spring in Mecca. I listened to that dream and dug where I had envisioned it. And because of that, I discovered the Zamzam well. The lifeline of Mecca. Dreams are not to be ignored. I I hear a voice telling me that I will bear a boy. A boy that will lead this nation. That is an interesting dream indeed. It is not just a dream, Abdul Muttalib. This is my first child, and perhaps I'm inexperienced, but... I feel nothing. No hardship or fatigue or pain. And the light. Oh, Abdul Muttalib, there is a light. Settle down, my lady. What light? What are you talking about? I saw a light emanating from my womb, and it reached all the way to the palaces of Sham and Persia. I don't know what it means. Amina. Apologies. You are fine. Everything you have told me sounds like a glad tiding from our Lord. I would not worry. All will be well. Understand? Yes, yes, you are right. Now, there is a final matter to attend to. My son left his house to his family, 
and I do not think he would object if I handed you the key. It's important that my grandson has a safe and secure home. Don't you agree? Of course. He also left a flock of sheep and... <clears throat> a fair amount of money. Use it wisely. And do not allow pride to prevent you from asking me for anything you might need if it does not suffice. Thank you, Sayyid Abdul Muttalib. One final thing. Baraka, you can come in. A young slave girl shuffled inside. She had dark skin, bare feet, and wore rags. This is Baraka. I bought her for Abdullah before he married you. She never got the chance to serve him. I suppose you will find better use for her. She has a quite you? outgoing personality. You? you? Yes, Baraka. She is your new mistress. You'll have to excuse her Arabic. You know how slaves are. Thank you. I'm sure I will manage with her. You are correct, Abdul Muttalib. I am in great fortune, but for a reason you have completely overlooked. <laughs> and what is that, my lady? I have an excellent father-in-law. In Abdullah's home, Amina slept soundly. Apart from the snoring of the slave girl, Baraka, the humble abode was enveloped in profound silence. Yet, in a realm beyond the waking world, a voice audible only to Amina stirred within her dreams. Amina. Who's there? Amina, you carry in your womb the leader of this nation. When he arrives on this earth, then say, I seek refuge in the one divine. From envy's grasp, a shield I twine. Strong protectors guide his way. Beneath righteous leaders may my son sway. In a realm untouched by adversity's hand, he serves the praised and glorious grand. Until he witnesses all to be, and all there is and all to see, his sign a radiant beam from high, illuminating palaces and Sham's sky. When he arrives, Muhammad be his name, Ahmed in Torah, gospel the same, praised in heavens, earth, and so on. His name is Muhammad in the Holy Quran. Amina was overwhelmed by the voice, so powerful and profound. In the midst of her dream, she saw a light emanating from her, stretching out from her belly to the starry night like a golden carpet. And through the darkness, she saw the magnificent palaces of Busra in Sham, glowing with the light from within her. Ya Allah! <gasps> Amina was breathing heavily. She placed a delicate hand on her belly. Muhammad, my son, Muhammad. The passing months brought forth a radiant Amina, her pregnancy flourishing without a trace of weariness, no sharp pains, no soreness, defying all expectations. Despite warnings from friends and relatives about the impending labor's pains, when the Monday of the twelfth day of the month of Rabi' al-Awwal finally arrived, Amina hardly felt a thing. Very good, Lady Amina. Push now. 
You push. Baraka stood by her mistress's side, along with two midwives. Yes, very good. You're almost there. Look, look. Yes, I see. He's almost out. He's... What is that? What's happening? Look, you... The entire room glowed with a white light. It came from everywhere. Baraka craned her neck towards the ceiling. What seemed like magnificent floating stars were descending slowly towards the room. They're going to fall on us. They're going to fall on us. And then all at once the light was extinguished. Amina was breathing heavily. And a beautiful baby boy sat on his knees at her thighs. Eyes open. Staring at the sky. Not crying. Baraka wrapped the infant in a blanket. His umbilical cord was already cut. May Allah have mercy on you. <gasps> Who said that? Is he all right? Let me see him. Huh? Oh, yes. He is out and healthy. Better than healthy. He's not even crying. Good. Very good, my lady. Wonderful job, my lady. Congratulations on the boy. Muhammad. His name is Muhammad. Muhammad. Yes. Baraka nuzzled the baby under her chin with one arm and pulled the window curtain with the other. Muhammad, see. Oh my. Praise Allah. Look at this boy. Abdul Muttalib turned to the bystanders behind him. He lifted Muhammad over his head. My daughter-in-law bears a boy. Abdul Uzza, the son of Abdul Muttalib, ran as fast as his heavy legs could carry him. His excitement and exhaustion gave his cheeks a reddish flare. He ran to the Kaaba and burst in without knocking. Is it true? Let me see him! Calm down, brother. You don't want to wake him. Oh my, oh my, oh my! What a blessing! Abdul Muttalib cradled a sleeping Muhammad in his arms. All of his children and grandchildren looking at him with love and joy. In the realm of gratitude, my heart does soar to the one who bestowed this boy I adore. Blessed he is, beyond all measure. Thank you, Allah, for this wonderful treasure. Amina was resting by him, her face at Amidst peace. All boys, he stands apart. With grace and charm, he fills each heart. By Allah, look at him. Isn't this wonderful, Abdul Azza? Another addition to the great clan of Banu Hashim. He even looks like Abdullah. Why, look at that, Abbas, you're right. Congratulations to you, Lady Amina. Thank you, Abdullah. Shielded from envy's venomous blight. Abbas. Yes, father? Come kiss your new nephew. He's going to be like a brother to you. Father, may I hold him? Gentle now. That is Abdullah's one and only heir. Bakhin Bakh, what a healthy lad. My slave girl, Thueba, ran to me and told me that you gave birth to a boy. I was so happy, I freed her on the spot. I'm delighted to hear that, Abdullah. An interesting name you've chosen for him. 
Muhammad, from the root of Hamd, praise. Ahmad is the praiseworthy, Mahmud is the one who is praised. But Muhammad? <laughs> now that is some eloquent Arabic right there. The one who is constantly and consistently praised and deserving of it. Splendid naming, I must say. Thank you, Abdulmanaf. It sort of just came to me. Abdulmutalib liked it, so it fit. I want him to be praised amongst the people as I want him to be praised by Allah in the heavens. What's that mark on his back? It looks like a dark bump. Hmm. Must be a birthmark. I'll get Thawaiba to nurse him. She nursed Hamza as well. <laughs> You're gonna have to pay her to do that, brother. You freed her, remember? Oh, right. All right, everyone. Give Lady Amina some time to rest with her new son. The time to shower him with affection can come later. Right now, the lad needs sleep. Come on, let's go, Abu Lahab. Don't call me that. As soon as the last member of the family had exited the Kaaba, Amina looked down lovingly at her son. She knew exactly what to say. I seek refuge in the One Divine. From envy's grasp, a shield I told. Amina's heartfelt supplication for her newborn remained confined within the sacred walls of the Kaaba. But the news of Muhammad's arrival echoed across the world in the most extraordinary ways imaginable. Rabbis and priests alike looked to the sky and noticed a very peculiar star in the night sky. Its appearance mirrored the ancient prophecies, foretelling the birth of a destined messenger. In Persia, the great white palace of the emperor shook and quaked violently, leaving balconies toppled. The eternal flame of the Zoroastrians, worshipped and kept ablaze for centuries, was instantly extinguished that very night, without any explanation. The idols around the Kaaba tipped and fell over, one by one. And far out in the oceans, away from the sights of mortal men, the malevolent Shaytan, king of the devils, inexplicably began to cry on his cursed throne. The world seemed to hold its breath, as if nature itself grasped the gravitas of this momentous arrival. But on that night, all Amina could feel was immense maternal love for her son, Muhammad. A few weeks later, Amina was pacing around the room, nervously twisting her headscarf and chewing her lip while Baraka dressed Muhammad. Maybe he's not ready this year. We can wait till next year, right? No, no wait, Lady Amina. Muhammad good. But the desert is so dangerous. What if he gets lost? Or they run out of water? Danger us? Yes, Baraka. It means bad. What if the Bedouins do not treat him right? No, no. No bad. Allah protect. Allah is good. Muhammad cooed in amusement. Amina gave him a loving smile. Tears welled in her eyes. She couldn't think of any other excuse. She knew she was stalling. All right, very well. She scooped up her son and went outside. The city center was full of parents with their newborns and infants. Once a year, 
the nomadic tribe of Banu Sa'ad ibn Bakr would visit Mecca and, for a handsome fee, would take the newborns with them into the desert to live in the fresh air. Arabs were nomadic in origin, and up until the great Qusay ibn Kilab had ordered permanent settlements built in Mecca, even the Quraysh had been nomadic. But now the Quraysh were city dwellers, and city life was not ideal for raising healthy, strong, and independent Arab children. Attention, parents of Quraysh. The time has come to entrust our children to the desert from hence we came. We are proud of our great town, but the townsman is a prisoner. To be in one fixed place, yesterday, today, or tomorrow is to be a target of time, the ruiner of all things. Our infants need fresh air where diseases cannot spread. They need the pure and divine Arabic language of the Bedouins and not the contaminated slang of the cities. Let our children experience the pitching of tents, the mounting of camels, and the navigation of dunes. Let not the luxury and sloth that lurk in the shadows of every wall spoil their instincts to survive and thrive. Let their first two years be in the freedom of the desert. Amina swallowed hard. Two years? Two whole years without her beloved son? Abdul Muttalib sent her a non-verbal expression of good luck. And then, the Banu Sa'ad entered through the gates. Amina at once knew their reputation was not exaggerated. Their lips were crusted from drought and thirst, skin weathered by constant sands and sun. They rode their mules and camels into the city. The commotion that ensued rivaled that of the goat and livestock markets. All through the streets, Amina saw parents of the Quraysh trying to sell off their babies to the Bedouin parents who would nurse and raise them in the desert for two years. Yes, make sure he gets plenty of milk and only speak to him in post. Excellent! It's a deal. Here's my son. Amina stood by with Muhammad. She hoped the boy looked healthy enough. A couple approached her. Salutations, miss. This be a son? Yes, this is Muhammad, born in Rumi al-Awwal. He doth seemeth very hale and hearty, but whither in his father, prithee? His father passed away. There be no father present? Well... His grandfather is Abdul Muttalib, and his father did leave us. Enough wealth. The Banu Sa'ad woman was yanked away by her husband, who whispered in her ear, If the lad hath no father, then there may be no assurance of payment. His grandfather, too, is not of vast wealth, for he bears the burden of overseeing a whole tribe. Verily, our prospects for compensation may be dim. I doth apologize, but methinks we shall decline thy offer, fair lady. The couple left Amina standing alone, with her rejected son cooing none the wiser. Quiet now, Abdullah. I know, I know. Thou art hungry. We all are hungry. If he keeps weeping like this, none shall want to give us their child. They will think we are a starving lot. Dearest husband, we are starving. 
Outside the city of Mecca, Halima and her husband Harith from the Banu Sa'ad were late to the great sent-off. Halima tried her best to calm her crying child, but he had been bawling non-stop for two days. The mule they rode on was so emaciated that its ribs stuck out from its sides. Halima wouldn't have been surprised if it dropped dead at any moment. Their mule was so slow that the rest of the Banu Sa'ad had arrived at Mecca hours before them. Halima feared there would be no children left for them to take. Dearest husband, why do you not endeavor to milk the camel once more? Because it is even more dry than a bone. Every time I have tried in vain, and the outcome has been nothing. Our mule is slow. Our child is starving. I regret to say it, but this journey is fruitless. We are in need of the money, Abikapsha. What awaits us back home other than dead crops and drought? Thou art unable to nourish thine own child. What doth prompt thee to believe you can nurse another? Verily, our Lord hears my child's weeping better than you, and he will not leave us in such a state. By the time Halima's exhausted mule brought them to Mecca, it was nearly nightfall. They went from house to house, from the homes of the Banu Makhzum to the Banu Umayyah. But all the children of wealth and nobility had already been taken. There's still that boy from Banu Hashim. A boy? Yes, Amina's son. Nobody else would take him. Halima and her husband felt uneasy. They had journeyed a great distance to care for a child. But if nobody else would take that child, perhaps there was something wrong with him. But they really had no other options. Yes? Who is this? Good evening, fair lady. We are in quest of a young lad. I believe his name to be Muhammad. Yes, yes, this is Muhammad's family. Oh, I thought there was no one left from your people. I'm Amina, Amina bint Wahab, from the Banu Zohra. Baraka, please bring Muhammad. Banu Zohra? We were told he was Banu Hashim. He is, he is. His father was Banu Hashim, but he passed away before his birth. There you are. Here's my beautiful child. Oh, he appears very strong and healthy. Harith, the lad is an orphan. We cannot... No! Please! I have money. And he has a great and noble family. I beg you forgive me, dear lady. We are in dire need, lacking all means. We require something more certain and complete. Please, nobody will take my boy. I just want him to be strong and to grow. Nobody will give him a chance. And yes, he doesn't have a father. But I'm sure you'll adore him, and he'll be a blessing to your family. Halima's heart shattered at the sound of desperation in Amina's voice. Abdullah began to cry in her arms. I beg your forgiveness, my lady, but we must be off. Amina never felt more alone than in that moment, watching tearfully as the couple walked away. Halima? Halima? 
Yes, dear husband. We should return for the boy. You said it yourself. He is an orphan. We can ill afford to be charitable. Halima felt miserable. Her son had cried himself to sleep. Their exhausted donkey was barely alive. Their camel still had no milk. And she was going to be the only woman from the Banu Sa'd to go home with no baby from Mecca. That part stung her the most, just once in her life. She wished she wasn't less privileged than others. How oft have we longed for a shred of mercy from others. I do know we could use some mercy in this moment. Yet, that lady was in dire straits, and we might have offered her aid. Abigapsha, that baby is not going to yield any benefit to us. Thou art well aware of this. Perhaps, but thou art well aware that blessings cometh from the unlikeliest of places. Perhaps that child will be a blessing for us. In the morning, the Banu Sa'ad left the outskirts of Mecca with their new sucklings. Halima and Harith picked up their tent and loaded their camel. Halima looked over her shoulder and felt an overwhelming desire to go back. Halima? Wait here. Give me Abdullah. Yes, I shall take him. You shall? Yes. Praises to Allah. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Amina took Halima inside and gently put Muhammad in her arms. Halima immediately felt an inexplicable love for the child. The boy had such soft and warm features. Go ahead. Halima's heart sank. She had almost forgotten about the final step before taking a child. The wet nurse had to breastfeed the baby once before departing his home. She hadn't been able to breastfeed her own child in days. Nevertheless, she brought Muhammad to her chest. She was astounded to see him drinking happily the second he made contact with her. Wonderful. By Allah. They made their farewells. May Allah guide your paths well. Halima felt her spirit soar to the sky as she brought the beautiful baby boy back to Harith. Look at this! The camel is overflowing with milk. What a bountiful blessing. Look what I brought. I knew you would come around. The couple embraced with the baby Muhammad between their chests. Their ride back to their settlement was completely opposite to the journey that brought them to Mecca. Halima had enough milk to breastfeed both Muhammad and her son Abdullah. Their mule, previously slow and sluggish, was now as energetic and quick on its hooves as a racing horse. The journey that had once tested their spirits now felt like a blissful dream, woven with threads of enchantment. They were able to catch up to the rest of the caravan with ease. Halima, filled with immense pride, did everything she could to display her new suckling. When they arrived to their settlements, the surprises did not stop. What in the name of God? Though the camp was ravaged by drought, a patch of green was woven into the earth where Halima and Harith's tent was pitched. Dear husband, 
This child has brought forth miracles from the heavens. Mother! Mother! Shema, my dear daughter, are you well? Yes, mother. Who is this? This is your new milk brother, a blessed boy named Muhammad. The next few months were some of the best in Halima's life. Never had they gone so long without the bitter intermission of hunger interrupting their lives. But their sheep and camel gave milk lavishly. Their crops grew as though by a riverbed, and Halima was able to nurse both her son and Muhammad with ease. I was able to sell some of the milk to the other travelers. Behold, now we have flour. We can forge bread. What a blessing! That boy of yours. It all began with him. I tell you, I tell you, he is a blessing from our Lord. Halima suddenly noticed her daughter, Shayma, out in the noon sun with Muhammad. She gasped. Shayma, Shayma! This is my horse and that one can be your horse. Now we can race with them. Shayma, young lady, you should know better than to take young Muhammad out in the midday sun. He could faint from the heat, or, or... Worry not, mother. We are cool. Everywhere Muhammad goes, a cloud follows him. Right, Muhammad? Muhammad giggled at Shayma. Halima looked above, and sure enough, a cloud shielded the children from the sun. Halima's heart swelled with a love she could not describe. This child, who she had almost rejected, was unlike any child she had ever seen. Muhammad was like a son to her. A wet nurse usually only kept a child for two years before he or she was weaned. But at age four, Muhammad was still under the care of his milk mother, Halima. After two years, Halima had made the trip back to Mecca, dragging her feet all the while. She could barely let go of the boy. After some convincing, she petitioned Amina to let her keep Muhammad for another two years. The excuse she used was the plague that had recently sucked the life out of many children in Mecca. But the real reason was she could not part with him. And so, Muhammad was transferred back from his blood mother to his milk mother. I found another one. Hey, ma. I wanted to catch it. You caught the last one, Abdullah. Let it be Muhammad's turn. Four-year-old Muhammad was usually content to watch his adoptive siblings play, but the beautiful breeze pushed him to run around the fields. Ooh, Shayma, look, what is that? What are you? Oh, are those two men flying? The three children stood in shocked silence. Two men draped in pure, glowing white garments were walking towards them. But they seemed to descend from the sky, as though walking down invisible steps from the heavens. They are flying, Muhammad said in wonder. Shayma, they're coming over here. Muhammad, come here. I think we should go back to mother. Abdullah and Shayma backed away slowly. Muhammad stood resolute. The white figures glided across the plains towards him. They made no sound. They left no footprints. Is it him? Is it really him? Yes, Mikael. It is. The two figures regarded Muhammad as though they had just found a long-lost treasure. For a second, they just stood there. 
Muhammad looked right at their faces. They seemed to glow. The first one to speak had a bowl made of gold in his hands. It was filled with something Muhammad had never seen and could never be found in the desert. Snow. Muhammad, we should really... Hold him. In an instant, the first figure was on Muhammad. He was forced onto his back against the dirt. The man was much more powerful than him, and yet, Muhammad resisted as hard as he could. He did not cry or scream. He is resisting. Weigh him against the ten of his nation. Muhammad felt his shoulders squeezed. He is more. Weigh him against one hundred. We have to get mother. He's still more. Let him be then. For if you were to weigh him against his entire nation, he would still be more. Muhammad continued to struggle. He was turned over onto his stomach. He felt his shirt tucked down, revealing his bare back. There it is. It is clear for all to see. Then you know what we must do. Muhammad was still struggling. His adoptive siblings were crying hysterically, and he was turned back onto his back. The first man pinned his arms down as the second approached. His pure white garments were all Muhammad could see now. He extended one finger and touched Muhammad at the hollow of his neck. He drew a line down his chest. His shirt was sliced with razor precision, and a thin red line appeared on his skin. Muhammad was being cut open. Shayma and Abdullah couldn't take it anymore. They ran back to the settlement to get their parents. Muhammad felt numb. His chest was cold, and though it was not painful, he still felt the splitting of his skin. The man cut all the way to Muhammad's navel. Steady now. Careful, Jibril. Then, in one fluid motion, he split his chest open. Muhammad stopped struggling. He stared down at his exposed chest. He could not believe what he was seeing. His own beating heart. The boy's mind stopped processing what was happening. The heart was removed, still beating in the man's hands. Muhammad felt waves of cold chill his body. The man delicately plucked a black morsel, no bigger than a fingernail from the heart. He inspected it and showed it to Muhammad, who couldn't believe he was still even conscious. This, this is the devil's portion in you. He flicked the black morsel away, then dipped the beating heart into the golden bowl of snow. If we keep to the coastline, we could be there much sooner, Abigapsha. It remains an arduous journey for so many children. Mother! Mother! Shema? Abdullah, what is wrong? What happened to Muhammad? They killed him! They killed Muhammad! Halima ran. Her shoes flew off her feet. She nearly knocked into their mule, but she could not stop running. Her heart was beating a thousand times a second, her husband trailing dust behind her, until she found him. Muhammad! The boy was sitting on the ground, numb. His skin was white, his face clammy and yellow. His shirt was at his side. Sliced in two down the middle. Are you all right? Are you well? What happened? Where did such a scar come from? Muhammad could hardly utter a word. He looked up to his adoptive parents. They were unnerved to see him so shaken. Two men came. They split me open. They washed my heart, he said. Halim inspected the boy's chest. 
she saw a fresh scar drawn with unnatural precision down his torso. So as I have said, the boy is well aware of the life of the desert, and I feel he is in want of his mother. Right. And yet, Muhammad never asked to return to Mecca until now. I suppose... I suppose he grew homesick over time. Lady Amina, this woman is hiding the truth. She has done something to our beloved Muhammad. No, no! I swear by the sacred house, I have not! Thank you, Baraka. Why don't you take Muhammad to the Zemzem well? He needs some water after his journey. Come with me, young Muhammad. Lady Amina was not an intimidating woman on any occasion, but the look she gave Halima would have caused even a wolf to scamper. Halima, you took in my son when nobody else would. You raised him as your own, loved him, cared for him. If something has happened to him, I know you love him enough to tell his own mother. Halima bit her lip before bursting into tears. I beg thy pardon, my lady. I beg thy forgiveness. I am ignorant of what transpired. I tried asking the boy, but his tale be most extraordinary. I meant no harm to him. My love for him doth match that for mine own kin. After several minutes of sobbing, Halima finally got through the story, how Muhammad claimed that two men descended from the sky, split his chest open, and washed his heart in ice and snow before stitching him back together. We were fearful, my lady, that some devil had possessed him. We knew not what to do. Amina smiled. I wouldn't worry, Halima. I think by now, you and your family know that Muhammad is a very special child. She told Halima about the miraculous pregnancy and birth, the dreams she had had. My son is destined for great things, Halima, and I thank you for being a loving mother for him these past years. But I think it is time for him to stay with me. You are dismissed. Will, will I see him once more? He is like a son to my heart. I think you will. One day, news of him will reach your tribe. But until then, you are always welcome here in Mecca. Two years later, a six-year-old Muhammad trekked through the wilderness. Next to him was the slave, Baraka. She carried a load on her back. Behind them, an exhausted Amina. Come on, my lady. We must hurry if we want to reach the caravan. I'm going as fast as I can. Amina had taken Muhammad and Baraka on the next caravan to Yathrib. She wanted to visit some of her relatives there. Muhammad had spent a month there with children his age. He played with them, learned to fly kites, and even swam in the oasis pools there. All in all, it was a good trip, marred by one somber moment. When Amina finally visited her husband's grave. Slow down, young Muhammad. Your mother cannot keep up with you. It's all right. Baraka, he is enjoying himself. Amina had not been well ever since she stood at Abdullah's grave. Though it had affected her emotionally at first, it seemed to have turned into a physical ailment after some time. 
Those men, they never wait for women or children. They just mount their camel and... Uh. My lady! Amina collapsed, her breath heavy and raspy. Muhammad and Baraka ran to her side. Amina! Amina! Can you hear me? Muhammad, help me move her! My lady, please drink. <coughs> it's... It's no use. You must drink, Amina. You must regain your strength. How will we catch up to the caravan? <coughs> There's no catching up to the caravan. No. They are a day ahead of us. On camel. I will build camp here. We will wait for other travelers. We can hunt for food or... Or... Baraka, my child, it's no use. Anyone passing by, almost likely Mina's arm. <laughs> Muhammad must be safe. You have to keep him safe. Muhammad kneeled by his mother's side. He was crying softly. Amina squeezed his little hand. My lady, he needs his mother. Then you be his mother now. No! Amina, do not say such words. Listen to me. Allah has decreed that I will die here in Abu'a'a. It is a long journey back to Mecca. Take him back to Abdul Muttalib. His grandfather will take care of him. <laughs> Even at his young age, Muhammad was wise enough to know that his mother was dying before his very eyes. He could do nothing but cry. He curled up next to Amina, holding her as tight as he could. Muhammad, you are the greatest blessing Allah has ever given me. Do not let the world abuse you. Be strong, my love. They buried her as best they could, in the cold night, in the middle of an indifferent desert. Muhammad gave one last, tearful look at the pile of rocks that was his mother's grave. He took Baraka by the hand, and they started walking. Where they were going, Muhammad didn't know, but it felt important to keep walking. Come with me, Muhammad. I will take you back to Mecca, Khadija said to Umm Ayman. But Umm Ayman did not seem to be listening. She sat on her favorite cushion by the window, lost in thought. Umm Ayman? Umm Ayman? Still, the old Abyssinian lady did not look at Khadija. She decided to use her real name instead of her kunya. Baraka? Umm Ayman was snapped out of her trance. Oh, Lady Amin... I mean, Lady Khadija, I did not hear you. Are you all right? Yes, I'm fine. I was telling you about the Rasul. He's done it. He told everyone in Mecca about Islam. Yes, the messenger always obeys Allah's commands. Khadija regarded Umm Ayman delicately. You know, when I first married the Rasul, he told me that there was someone very special to him that was going to live with us. He said, 
She is the last remnant of my family. My mother after my mother. He was talking about you, Um Ayman. The lady who was once a slave named Baraka turned her gaze entirely towards Khadija. Now that Islam is known in public, the Rasul is going to need the support of everyone he loves. Can I count on you, Um Ayman? I will always be there for my son Muhammad. You're listening to The Sound of Sira, brought to you by Islam by Touch.